Hello and welcome to another The Analysis interview. My name is David Seymour. I am an analyst for Total Football Analysis and you may recognise my dulcet tones from the Bundesliga podcast. Uh, I'm coming on to this podcast for Chris and today I'm delighted to be joined by Guy Branston. Guy is a former professional footballer. He's played at a host of clubs including Rotherham, Oldham, Peterborough and Torquay, but to name a few. He is now the loan manager at Leicester City, uh, the club where he started his own playing career. So throughout this podcast, I'm going to be asking Guy about his role at Leicester, uh, particularly interested in the loan process and looking at it from a loan manager's perspective. And then, as we always do with this interview, tying it in to um, the analysis side. So, Guy, I'll let you introduce yourself. I've given a little bit of detail, but by all means, uh, this, this is your chance to introduce yourself. <laughs> Thanks for getting me on. No, uh, I started um, as a baby with Leicester, come through the ranks, um, did my professional career for 19 years, retired and then um, went into scouting very early on, set up a business that's now um, out there in America, changed its name to, it was called All About Ballers, which was a analytical business and also a, a video recruitment business that helped players get um, opportunities in the football league and, and in the professional pyramid. Um, started that when I was still playing at Plymouth Argyle, um, retired, carried on with that full time and it was getting 300,000 hits over the summers uh, for a couple of seasons and I had to let it go because of the financial implications. Um, started a, a app from that called Get Noticed, which was a similar theme, but it was about sport and highlighting and identifying sportsmen and women and, and children to sporting their achievements and then promoting their videos to coaches across the board. That went very well as well. I had about 400,000 400, downloads off that one. And then uh, got into, um, carried on scouting whilst I was doing that with football clubs. Uh, worked for Plymouth, worked for Notts County, went in as chief scout at Notts County, went in as head of recruitment after that at Notts County and then took the football operations manager at Nuneaton when I was running the academy, first team coach and also community manager of the football club to learn the, the football um, hierarchy and the dynamics behind the scene of a non-league club. And then stepped into the Chesterfields job after a brief stint as an agent. Um, took the head of recruitment role there and then I was interim manager. I was working as basically technical director there. Um, and then left there to go to Leicester. Uh, started as a coach of the under-16s, which took me to the 23s, which took me to this role I'm in now, which is the loans manager's role where I've walked off the grass, but now coaching um, and mentoring and going, doing more analytical, more board reports, more football-based um, hierarchy stuff, which is really good for me because it's taking me on the path to uh, running a club, sporting director, technical director of uh, a big, powerful club in the in the future in Europe, I may move for. Brilliant. That's fantastic to hear. And, and interesting to hear how sort of your experience of analysis goes all the way back to um, when you started All About Ballers as well. So I, and I'd like to ask you about that in a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I'd be really interested to hear about your own experiences on loan as a player and how that's impacted uh, your role today, or at least how you handle your role today. <laughs> when you've been a, a player of my uh, lower league ilk, you go through situations where you was constantly watching um, old school videos with video players and the manager getting you in on a Monday and going through the footage and stop, start, stop, start. And we used to sit there for hours and hours. And I mean, hours and hours. We used to call it the war room back then. 
but sitting there and everyone be having a go at each other and, and it'd be uh, a very negative experience of, of um, what you'd done wrong and very negative based experience on what was going on in the um, in the game and we'd stop start and the, the, the way we recorded it was very poor and we struggled with the scenes and, and all the different footage. But what it did was, you know, it gave you things to work on, give you things to, to go and work on the training pitch and go and things to get organised and, and work out like... It, Going things to work out with um, work on a you know a Monday morning, a Tuesday morning, and take it into the game for the weekend. I had so many different um, ideas even from then about where I could improve, how I could improve, how I could improve my teammates, and that was all within you know early early age of twenty twenties was probably the first time I really started analysing videos and, and taking videos home after the game. And watching them on my own video player, and I'm talking a video player that that sometimes the like city the footage was terrible. But as we got into it, DVDs started coming about. Um, that that was quicker and easier. And then MP4s, and then I started buying my own video kits within my own um, computer. And I was always interested in computers very early on, and so I started creating my own clips from my own footage from my own video player that turned it into DVDs and. So I've been I've been looking at stuff like this for for years, and then Y Scout came about and really got into that, and was amazed I was on it. And I've always been an avid um, f- football manager, no pun included. Other all good games are all uh, good as well, but I uh, I've always played them sorts of games, even as a kid, thirteen, fourteen when they first came out. So the data was always in- interesting. The, the, you know how fast people could run was always interesting. You know how the quick players always interested me more. And and plus, just stats in general, you know, how many games I've played. I've always kept on contact with that. Soccerbase was one of my first websites I constantly checked. Um, another a couple of websites I look into now, Soccerway is another one. Um, who scores? Is, who, um, is it called Who Scores? Who Scored, yeah. What, um, who Scored? Yeah, Who Scored? Um, Stat Bomb now, obviously. All, all the websites I've started to look into as I've got older and, and really started to take on board the data that's important and, so I'm, a, I'm I'm an avid patter on the back of people who spend hours on on computers and look into the data of footballers, and I'm an avid patter on the back of people who want to come to me with different ideas about the game and modern technology is, is the way forward within football, and they call it fit tech now, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what is the actual role then of the loan manager? So, from from how I see it on the outside, you're uh, ensuring that the relationship with players out on loan. Um, is still maintained that you're looking after these players, that you're monitoring their progress and their player development. Is that is that sort of the gist of it? Yeah, um, we we have a, a individual learning plans, uh, ILPs. Um, we monitor them. Um, we look after obviously the player, but I facilitate the whole thing um, with my sporting director John Rudkin and um, Steve Brigalore, who's the under 23s manager coach. Um, and we, we discuss it. Um, we obviously have the opportunity of the player going out on loan. We discuss if he can go out on loan. We have technical board meetings, multidiscipline meetings um, very early on in the season or even pre-season to, to discuss if these lads can go. Some some loans might just get dropped on our laps and we go, right, should we act on it or not act on it? So it's a great understanding of, of where I've been having 15 loans as a player myself and knowing about the loan system. Um, but it's changed as well, you know, since I've been in the Premier League. Um, it's changed. The, the dynamics are changing constantly. They're trying to improve it so clubs aren't harbouring players and just having players in and out of the system within their club, but not actually playing for the first team. So 
they're trying to change rules. Um, we had a meeting literally six months ago about the new rules that are coming out in the future. They might get relaxed now because of obviously the, what's been happening over the, the course of the last six months as well. So there's loads of dynamics to it. Um, my own role will literally, I'll present a loan to a, uh, Leicester City after I've got a call from a club, say in the AFL or, or the conference or or even the Premier League or Europe, and I'll present it back to the football club. I would have done um, a bit of data on the team, understood how their style of players, watched probably three or four of their, their games, get the club to send me some information on what, what they want to present back to the football club because I think that's important for relationship sakes um, and also on, on, for my understanding of the team and how they're going to play because does it fit with Brendan Rodgers's ideas and systems and is the player suited for that division you know it might not be anywhere near uh, that level in my opinion and in the club's opinion uh, the player will probably think he can play in the Premier League but the realism of this this levels that they go into is is it's tough you know it's a transition it's it's a new uh, look uh, it's a new feel it's a new dressing room and the mental side's massively important to get their heads over what they've got to deliver on a on a day-to-day basis that they're used to from, you know, being in the 23s and the relaxed in environment that it is. Um, it's nowhere near a, a, a hungry dressing room that these these players are experienced pros and they've got a young kid from Leicester City bouncing into it, coming about, so trying to take their shirts. And I've been that experienced pro that's been amazed by some of these lads from these these clubs that they come in with their attitudes and their, their application and they expect to just take your shirt and play every week. So we've got to get their mental sides right as we get them loan ready and then we push them into opportunities that that's there. There's no trying, no point trying to invent opportunities that aren't there. The clubs have got to come in and be interested in the players. And then um, we, we broker a deal that's, that fits the football club and I leave that to the sporting director and, and I crack on with the stuff afterwards. And when they're out, out on loan, I'm, I'm there for them as a, as a friend. I'm there for them as a teammate. Um, I'm there for them as a coach. Um, analyst I'll break up their data I'll work through their clips with them I'll send them their clips we'll meet up we'll have coffees we'll go through the game I'll be at their games I'll watch their games on a on a Saturday night if they've played um, report back on a Sunday morning Sunday afternoon to the first team group talking about players who have played at the weekend giving them scorings giving them gradings marking down what special bits they did on the Y Scout clips you know writing good intricate reports on them so they've got data on them and then basically Monday, Tuesday putting on the PMA so the PMA is uh, the system that we've got in place for the Premier League to track all the academy players and so they've got a background so we can work off the stats on that to understand if certain loans or certain particular loans have been a success or not a success because there's so many ways of breaking down a loan to for it to have been a positive or a negative and sometimes the negative gameplay might be the positive off the pitch play, and we might be able to improve a person off the pitch. So, loads of dynamics into it. We ain't got enough game time, or or, or ain't got enough uh, podcast uh, to go constantly digging. But that's the kind of broad spectrum of what it looks like. Interesting, and that, and that sounds like an incredibly comprehensive um, process that you go through. How does that differ then? to when you were on loan? Like, what, what did you get from your club when you were on loan? <laughs> I, I've, um, I, I come into it, I literally come into it of, uh, amazed um, because it's a brand new role I come into. 
So everyone was still learning the uh, learning the landscape. Um, there'd been loan managers, um, but there'd definitely been loan managers, but they didn't know the, the landscape and, and the Premier League didn't know the landscape. So it's brand new. We had a first, like City, we had a first performance meeting with the Premier League, I think it was six or seven, probably six or seven months ago now. And um, that was fantastic, amazing. Had a performance, um, O'Doyle, Andy O'Doyle from, from used to be at Liverpool now with the Premier League, put on a great um, display of, of how it should look, how it could look, where we're going in the future. You know, and, and it was with the 21st, um, is it 21st Street? 21st Club, yep. 21st yep. Club, sorry, 21st Club data. So, yeah, so we, we, we sat through that um, good good three or four hours with them guys discussing the loans. And I've got a lot of friends in, in this arena and, and this environment. A big friend of mine's Fergal Harkins at uh, Man City. We actually played together at Leicester City. Um, so me and him have been connected for years. He's gone on and worked with Brendan himself. Uh, at Celtic, um, I think Adidas and Nike, I think he worked for as well. Um, and he's he's got an unbelievable way of looking at the loans. So I tapped into him for a, a nugget of information. I've spoke to Sheffield United, how they do it. And, and you just get to learn this, this environment that you're in. And it looks so different now to when I was a player. And I'll bring it back to your original question. I was amazed how how badly I was treated when I was out on loan but you didn't know any different when you was a kid. So my first real big loan was was my first league appearance at Colchester United. I'm just turned 18. I'm on £100 a week. I get a phone call from the gaffer saying I can go out and loan to the Football League because I've done well at Russian Diamonds in the conference. And you've got to be there tomorrow. And it wasn't even a call from the gaffer, I'll be honest with you. It was a call from the, the, the reserve team manager, Paul Franklin. And 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 he's he's. I've oh, got a call. And you got to be there tomorrow. All the best with that. All the best, mate. And I've gone. <laughs> I've that's, gone. I mean, yeah. Where's Where's Colchester? I'd not played in the football league. I didn't know anything about train travel. If I'm honest, I've been on trains, obviously. I didn't know anything about train travel, and that was because you know I played for Leicester. I'd, I'd I'd had a lot of niceties around me, but I wasn't naive, so I was okay. So I asked my mom, I said, listen, I've got to go to Colchester tomorrow. You know, what do I do? You know, obviously I had a computer then, but we're talking about 97, 98. Uh, no, 19, yeah, 97, 98. I said, do you know what? I got on my computer. I took about an hour to load the internet up. Got going on the computer, looked into it, got my organization of it, went, right, do you know what? I've got it, mom, I've got it. I got picked up by the driver in the morning, the taxi driver to the train station. I had to go into Liverpool Street, out of Liverpool Street, get to Colchester, catch a bus from the from the training ground, uh, from the bus station to the training ground. So all in all, about seven and a half hours worth of travelling without a clue what I was doing off my mum's credit card that I had to borrow because I'm on £100 a week. The train cost me about 80, 90 quid. So I've, so I've done my week's wages and I've gone into Colchester and I'm sleeping in this boat's ass that I don't even know with three other players that I don't even know. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. So it was sink or swim. I swum. You know, I was lucky. I swum. Other players don't swim. Other players really sink. Other players really, really go down. So I wanted to set this loan department out how I didn't want to ever be treated again. 
I wanted lads to have information with great reasons of, of reaction for their own sake. And you're never going to get buy-in of all your information you give them, but you want them to buy into some of it because you want to improve them. And I want them to have that feeling that I'm, I want to improve yeah, them. Yeah, very, very different time. Um, so, I mean, here's, a, here's a, a question sort of just on, on top of that. You've spoken about the benefits of, of players being on loan. For you personally, I mean, I, I wonder if it just varies per person, but how many, how many loans is, is, is too many? For a player in a in a development uh, cycle, I mean, you spoke about. I think you said that you've been on fourteen, fifteen loans. Yeah, well, the, the, you got to understand that. I mean, I was in a. You're asking a, again. You're asking a, a different question from my career, because my mm-hmm. my original first bit I can answer because I thought that was the whole reason I'm going out to develop before we called it development before we before we labelled it. They were just getting me out the out the system because I needed to go and play games. So th- their ideas was it was development. So that was the first bit. But then I had all the loans, obviously within the the reasons of loans of just getting out the building at some of these football clubs because I was just hanging about and I was on a bigger wage back then and I had to clear the wage. So they had to get rid of me off that wage bill to then bring someone else in, their own player, when a new manager come in. Because on one loan alone, and I mean one loan I had at Wickham Wanderers. Had four different managers in one month, so you've got four different opinions on your ability, and you're literally going, "Well, he's on loan; we can get rid of him first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of that go on. But original question you asked: development figure on on numbers of of loans you think is good or bad? Minimum, surely it's got to be, because the 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 Harvey Barnes of this world, who's gone out and done well after two or three loans, is the figure you've got to be looking to. You know, you're going, you're going and looking and developing and being an, an impressive loan player every time you go out. It might not be the highest of stats. It might not be, but there's growth in there. And that's easy data to read. You know, that's literally appearances, assists for, say, Harvey, you know, crosses in the box, um, inside runs, inverted runs, you know, all, all the stuff you'd look to, to to impress the management here would be the stuff that he does on an attacking basis. Then he's output physically, you know, GPS data. You know, what's that looking like? How's he, how's he done on that game every weekend? He might not have outputted on the assists, but he's outputted on the, uh, the, the tracking back, the following his men, the de- defensive positions for that game, that particular tactic. And then you start looking real deep into, well, well where can we take him now into how it looks for us? Well, we play this way. We've got to start hitting markers. And on the spider graphs, we've got to start looking to see if he can get across uh, whoever he's, say, Damari Gray, who's trying to knock out the team, or, or Perez, or whoever he's trying to get in the team against um, Albrighton, however you look at it. So there's loads of different scopes, and I would say minimum opportunities for maximum return. So Brendan loans you out. He loans you out for a reason, because you've got to get back in the first team in three or four months. And if you get back in the first team, brilliant. The loan's been a success. If you don't get back in the first team, then you start looking at got to go out again. Why has he got to go out again? Well, he's, we'll probably look to exit him four or five loan moves because they shouldn't be getting four or five loan moves if they're in the building. I'd like to, I'd like to get your sort of opinion on analysis and on, I mean, if, if we look at sort of watching live, watching video or just using data or statistical analysis, um, I'd be interested to know the sort of ratio within your role, which you would apply those three types of analysis and 
I mean, is there is there really a substitute for seeing something with your own eyes? How much benefit do you get from video and data analysis? Well, I've got to say, I I, I think it's I think it's huge, but I'm I'm surprised how much data and analysis we we are using because I still believe if you're experienced enough, you can see something in a player. Um, Potential or, or, or weak. I, look, I, I'm a big believer in this, right? That, that this is quite a simple answer. A big believer in we can all see good players. That's that's a gimme. I think most people can see a good player. Okay? You can see he can play well, but it's easier because you're watching the Premier League. That's all you ever watch. Or you watch Match of the Day or you watch um, the European Super League. Or, you know, whatever you want to watch, you watch it and you go, yeah, I'm watching this player and he's a good player because he plays for Man United. So your bias is there and it's disruptive to your thinking. But the hardcore scouts and the hardcore people that, that do do something to this knowledge, I, I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm probably upset if you're listening, I believe it's a trained eye. I believe that you've worked in an environment that's a high level. You've also looked at a low level and you do a lot of work. I, I can't believe managers um, and analysts would question somebody who goes out and watches 10, 15 games a week live. And I can't believe a scout would argue with an analyst who watches 50 games live. So there's got to be a place for an analyst. There's got to be a place for somebody who watches a lot of games. And it's marrying the two together and the data analyst as well, obviously, and marrying them all together to, to come up with, a, with an opinion. And the opinion always falls on on whoever runs the football club. So you, you don't fall out over it. Everyone's got an opinion, but the opinion has always got to be in an hierarchy, I believe. And the hierarchy has got to come from experience. Because if you're out there watching games and, and doing your work and understanding levels, my knowledge might be suited for EFL. My knowledge might be better suited for the Belgium leagues because I've been there so much, you know, and all these different things, you know, that, that young lad or that older lad might have experience in, you know, the Chinese league, who knows, but it's having opinions and, and that's the best thing about football. A lot of people want an opinion, but think they get an opinion by reading a few books and it's mm. not true. Yeah. Interesting. How did, I mean, when you were a chief scout at Notts County, how much did the analysis side sort of change that role? Were there things that you came across that you found useful, things that maybe you didn't find useful? I, um, I was amazed. Um, I was amazed how very little we were doing at Notts County. I, you know, I was, I see more, I was coaching at Exeter City and I see more analytical data on their academy players than I did when I came at uh, Notts County. Um, so I was, I wanted to change that. I'm a big believer in it. Um, we had we had a couple of people around there who who you know claiming to be analysts, claiming to be you know stat based people, and, and I was just well, it's not apparent information you, you're giving them. It's data, but the data is not apparent. It's not it's not for what you're giving. You know this isn't helping. So I grabbed hold of the scout out and, and obviously did opposition analysis. I used my context in the game to give me different opinions on the opposition. I then presented back opposition uh, analysis to the management, um, which they enjoyed. Um, but they were already on the slippery slope of, of, of going out the leagues. 
Um, we, we, we ended up changing it in the, in the summer. And then we, the man, new manager come in, uh, just, sorry, just at the end of the season, a new manager come in, a Dutch guy, and he wanted to change it again. And again, I was so far down the hierarchy with this manager that, that you know, my now ideas were being changed. He, you know, he was doing tactics with sugar cubes. And I ain't lying, you know, he, he was using vitamin bottles as players and showing lads what to do with this. <laughs> you know, he was having old old school paper printouts of different size players to indicate that these players were were, grow, were growing. And, we, you know, it's just like, well, what are we doing? And he'd, play, he'd worked for Ajax and Tottenham. So there's loads of different ideas where, you know, experience can be a bit too... I think too much sometimes that they don't want to change their ways and you're looking at it going so I was a bit I was a bit bamboozled by what went on in Notts County but you know it was my first job and I weren't going to say too much to upset the apple cart and I wanted to learn and when Julian Winter came in from Huddersfield Town um who's now at sorry and now at Huddersfield Town when he came in he blew me away with his information he'd worked at Watford and he introduced me to a bloke called John Stevenson who wrote a book on um, recruitment. And this is a, an old experienced guy, worked for Celtic, turned over something like 30 million for the football clubs that he'd worked for, made some unbelievable um, decisions on recruitment and stats and, and uh, data. And he'd gone and shown me his inside information. So my whole remit of decision-making, recruitment, um, how I collect data changed when I met him. And he was, a, you've got to understand, he was a, a really seriously ill guy who had a real back and spine issues, hardly watched games anymore, had gone from watching games a lot physically because of his back and his, his travelling, he couldn't travel anymore, to now watching a lot of analytical clips and watching a lot of data on Scout and Instat. So he started to teach me Instat, started to teach me Scout, and started to teach me data collection regarding players. And then I started showing him, funny enough, social media tagging, understanding, you know, what lads are doing on social media and how to start looking at. So we started building up a really good rapport and we're still in contact today. Um, he works for the Scottish FA now with uh, Malke doing a lot of the Scottish recruitment um, academy players for the, the, the international setup, And he's very much uh, within the thick of that. So it's fantastic. You sort of said how um, things, things weren't quite what you expect at Notts County with the analysis side. And I'll be interested to sort of hear from hear from you what you find um, the limits are with video and data analysis. Definitely the positives outweigh the negatives on, on data and video analysis. Um, definitely. Limitations. Can't see everything on a video. I'll argue anybody who says they can. You can't sit there and watch a warm-up. You can sometimes, obviously. You can't see off-screen stuff. Body language, um, scanning, um, understanding the way he talks to teammates, communication, uh, movement off the ball. Because you know, shot wise, widescreen great. I like widescreen, um, wide angle. Sorry, I like all that. I just, I just think there's there's still a place for the old school scout who's watched twenty games, thirty games a week and who brings in information that, that the analyst can't. And I think there's a place, massive place for analytical data that proves the scout wrong. And, and I mean that because I think that if you're not checking a check 
And funny enough, the Dutch manager told me that. If you're not checking the check, then you're doing something wrong within the football club. And I think you've got to be disruptive and, and got to have people's opinions. I'd say I'd still want an experienced guy watching them, but I don't need that much data off him in regards to telling me if he's a good player or a bad player. And I don't need him telling me about outputs and showing me the stats. I'll go to the, the right sort of department for that because you don't put a plumber in to fix your electric. And that's, that's still prominent in my eyes. You know, a lot of plumbers are trying to fix electric and a lot of electric physicians are trying to fix plumbing. And you, you can't be good at everything. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for that sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm a, I think I can change the world with my ideas sometimes, but sometimes I have to bring myself back and go, my skill set's this. I'll improve in that, but my skill set's always going to be this, this, and this. And where can I improve in, in the areas I'm bad at? So going back to your original question, there's, there's got to be a place for them. There's got to be a place for scouts, and there's got to be a place for the management of scouts and analysts. Because unfortunately, it's, it's always going to be that way in football. So I'd like to go back to, I mean, you mentioned earlier all about ballers. I'd like to talk to you about your sort of first introduction to analysis. Maybe you could tell me a little bit uh, more about all about ballers, um, what the introduction was, and really just how things have changed since then. In 2008, I'm kicked out of the Football League um, for a Football League ruling that wouldn't let me go out and sign for another football club um, and let me play that season. Now, that was a football league ruling that, that I ran into because I'd left uh, Peterborough and signed for Notts County for a month, popped my calf a couple of times and played for Notts County. Um, 45 minutes, worst 45 minutes I've ever had. And I didn't get a contract. So as I was leaving that, that club, it was a brand new ruling. My agent didn't know anything about it, uh, which was disappointing. And we left the football club thinking we'd just go and sign for another one. And my agents, I can always remember the day, they'll ring me up going, no, nah, don't worry about it. Just leave the football club, we'll find you another one. Um, I said, well, what about this football league ruling I'd heard? No, 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 don't worry about that. It's stopping your work. It's complete nonsense. And I went, yeah, great. Okay, so um, the, the company was called World Emotion and they're still quite a successful company, which uh, they've got some good players in there. And they, got, they were good guys. They just ran into a couple of league rulings that were a problem. and. Um, I don't hold any any bitterness, but I then looked into it and I went, well, what am I going to do now? And my agent didn't have a club because I'd not played much football, obviously. Uh, and I I didn't have a club because I'd not played much football, really. That was the, the deep thing. So we got into a situation where we were scoring around for a football club and I went back to Rushton Diamonds and they had me in training and they had a couple of players I knew there, Lee Tomlin, and who's my cousin. Uh, Samuel Jackson, who played for Norwich in the Premier League, Curtis Woodhouse, who played in the Premier League as well. So there was good, some good good lads there who I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll go and have a little go at them. And they still had a nice stadium and they win the non-league. And it was all agreed to sign and, and the FA stopped me signing because of this Football League ruling. So I had to drop underneath the Football League for the first time for a long time and also the conference because the Football League was running the conference still uh, legally. So I had to go into the conference north and I ended up signing for, for Kettering. Great opportunity to go and play with a, a, a guy I'd played with, funny enough, at Rushton Diamonds called Mark Cooper, who's now the Forest Green manager. And we had a really successful time there. Um, and I ended up getting back into the Football League. But within that period of time, 
I couldn't believe how hard it was for myself, who'd had an experience three, four hundred games, to get hold of managers, to get hold of people to talk to, to prove that I was still a good player at the end of, in the summer. My contract was up. Um, they're asking me to send video clips. They're asking me to send uh, videos and DVDs on, on my ability. My agent didn't know how to cut up clips or make clips and make video clips. And we're talking about 2008 still. So I pursued it myself. My knowledge of computers, my knowledge of understanding systems and processes. I, I started making my own clips anyway, originally, previous. So I started sending clips around. Uh, started understanding what I was doing about getting all the players' numbers, getting all the managers' numbers. Get to the player to get to the manager, I thought. So I got to the manager, started sending the clips in the lower leagues. I thought, I quite enjoy this. This is quite a, you know, a, an enjoyable experience speaking to all these different guys, networking. And I've been at all these clubs anyway. So I knew a lot of people in the game. Um, within that time scale, I started building up a really good rapport with, with other people, you know, staff-wise. You know, analysts, like you said, started to come into the game more. They were more prominent scouts I was dealing with them because obviously I'd seen them on the circuit when I was watching games and just started to have a really good um, network of Blackboard network where I'd started really impressing people with my skills of talking on the phone and selling you know without realizing you're doing a selling job I'm trying to sell myself but then I started having the opportunity of thinking right there's got to be a platform in place and there was nothing I started researching and it took me a couple of years to get it off the floor um, my idea and it was about three, 2012, I started to really look into it financially. Um, website was the way it was going, but things had started to develop into apps as well. And I put, put it out there, put my first, spent about 10 grand on my first website, which I still think to this day, I got my pants pulled down. Um, but I got so much interest. You know, 442 Magazine, uh, Sky Sports, um, BBC, uh, because there was a marketplace for it. But what I learned very quickly was that football was ruthless, which I knew anyway, but football was incredibly ruthless. I'd be putting players and doing a lot of work for these players that load up their clips, YouTube clips, to the system very easily with a Dropbox and um, a link capture. And it all it do is catch the link from YouTube and then promote it on the site, and we'd promote these guys. I wasn't their agent. I was a promoter. So I'd promote these guys that load up, and I'd help them. So, um, Baco plays for Richardson Baker, who plays for Swan, Swansea. A set of forward. He was he was one of my first. So he, he loaded up to the site. Um, he loaded up playing non-league, non-Eaton Town, them sorts of places. Couldn't couldn't get it. Couldn't believe how he'd been released from Coventry. We spoke on the phone. We spoke on email. Loaded him up to the site. Got him, a few, got him a few trials, had a really good opportunity. Got Started getting lads into Swansea, uh, lads from Swansea because I knew the scouts. Started to get lads from Grinsbury. Uh, Man United scouts started using it. Leicester scouts started using it. Agents started using it. So it really started to pick up a bit of a, a pat on the back for me. So I, I knew, I, I kind of knew I wanted to go into recruitment, um, but I didn't even know what it was called back then. It was scouting more because I was watching a lot of these clips going, he can play at this level. He couldn't play at that level. He might be able to play at this level. I, t I get double check. I'll send it to one of my mates. Yeah, he can play. Yeah, this level. And we start to have these, like I said, opinions and disruptive thoughts about how we can make these lads better. And it was really, really, I would say, 
a really eye-opener to the industry because I'd get players' opportunities. I'd get no thanks from them. I'd get football clubs' players on really cheap opportunities to take and I'd get no thanks off them. I'd help agents out with their players because they couldn't get them clubs, but I could. And I wouldn't get no thanks off them. And I'm laying out all this money. And I'm going, okay. So what's the point of me doing it? You know, I'm promoting them. And everyone's saying it's a great system, but I'm not earning any money. And I'm not even getting thanks. So I thought, it's got, it's got to stop. But the, what I really learned from it, and this is the best thing, was players, agents, coaches, were very behind the system, the times. And, and I knew this would change the way we look at stuff. If, I mean, so you speak about your, your experience there. And I, I think I'd be remiss not to ask this. Is, is there one piece of advice that you wish that someone had given you when you started this? Yeah, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't take, don't take being knocked back personal. Um, even as a footballer, this would have worked. You know, you go away after being released from a football club. You go away after being released from a from a club that you love dearly, like Leicester. Sold, I was sold for fifty grand to Rotherham. You know, I didn't take it personal. You know, I I moved on, and moved on various different places. You know, I took it personal sometimes. But even going into now the arena I'm in, you know, if if you're sending in work and you're doing your work and it's not being read or looked into or, or even downloaded to even look at it don't take it personal just keep putting in your work keep putting in the the best of your ability work that you can produce for the staff that you're working for and if you're not being listened to you know there's a multi-discipline opportunity to talk in the future and there's a multi-discipline opportunity and, and uh, meeting to have about that issue with hr and, and welfare and, and whoever you want to discuss that with or if you're not being listened to for a long period of time don't take it personal and move on and that was something that that took me a long time to to, to grip um, and get a hold of in my own mind because it's you know we're emotional people and we, we all want to be listened to and, and have our opinion but within football you're not always controlling the club you're not always running the football club you're not always running your own department you might be down the pecking order, but deliver the work that's asked to the best of your ability and you'll get on. Uh, last, I mean, last couple of questions, really. I'm conscious of keeping your, your time. Um, I'm, for, I'm fully enjoying it, mate, so sorry. <laughs> I'll stay longer if you need me to. We'll, we'll make a, we'll make a, 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 whole, a whole trilogy. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what, what tools do you prefer to use to enhance your analysis, Guy? Uh, I'm, I really... I really like having the best tools in place. I'm not always privy to that because they cost a lot of money nowadays. Um, I'm always sourcing the newest, the toppest information. Um, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to tap into Melanin who works for Leicester City. Um, I'm always trying to tap into different ways of seeing stats and, and, and tactics. And, and, but, I, but I think you've got to watch enough games You've got to make sure that you've got the time to sit down and go through the clips because that's, that's, the, that's the best bit, having time. 
you know, making sure that you've made sure you've double checked and checked all the data that you've got because the simplest bit of information might be the best bit of information. The way people understand it communication wise within that football club is the best bit of information. Can it be transported into the, the minds of whoever you're working for from what you're trying to show them? So the best techniques are sometimes the simplest and the best bit of kit is sometimes the simplest. It might just be a simple, you know, um, YouTube clip, but it, but it, then it might be, you might have to go a bit deeper and dig a bit more information because, you know, I was blown away by what Brendan Rogers wanted from me. I loved it. I loved the fact that he was questioning me on, on various things I needed to improve on for, for the lad's sake, not for my sake, for the lad's sake. I need this information guy. I need that information guy. I need this. And I went and sourced it and sourced it and gone find out because that's what, the, that's what my manager wants. That's what my boss wants. And I've got to impress my boss to impress my other boss. So I would say communication, rapport. And when I say them two things, I mean understanding the group you work for and then deliver the information that you need to deliver. And that might not be the most technically gifted stuff that you can produce at the time, but it gets you further within the football club hierarchy. So I would work out what's needed for that important moment when you have that opportunity to move up the ladder or move within the football club's uh, hierarchy because the more you move in within that hierarchy, the more you'll get listened to and the more they believe in your information you pass them and can digest the information you pass them, the more you'll, you'll move up and be around the, the real decisions that go on in the football club. And I would say that comes from having enough experience with the Y Scouts, the Instats, doing the donkey work behind the scenes with the hours of footage you have to go through and making sure that you are on point with the newest systems that are out there, if called upon by members of staff, because you've got to have some sort of information on the, the department that you work in, but also the, the top information that's available within that department. And that'll be, you know, the new stuff, say that, that Scout just brought out, Instat, Scout Lab. There's, there's so many of them now you can name, but it's what works in your football club. If you get, get where I'm coming from. It's yeah, what works within your absolutely. football club. What, it, what communication skills do you need to get your information across to that, that setup or that manager that you're working with? I think it's, it's so interesting what you were saying about sort of um, what what works, what what information you want. I, I, you spoke about Maladin. For those of you who don't know, it's Maladin Sormaz. He's the head of analytics at Leicester. Um, I actually saw Maladin speak back in February. And one of the things that he he said was that there, there should be a focus on actionable insights, which I think really ties in with, with what you were saying there. Um, yeah, and then that's because you have to buy into as much as you want to put all these fancy displays on, but how much of the, the information do you actually need? You're spending a lot of time, say you're spending 80% on this fantastic display, but the manager at the football club might need the 20%. They might not need the 80%. So focus on that 20%. How can you make that 20% better? And that's where I think a lot of these guys, young guys who are ambitious and want to produce this information and really want to show themselves of, of what they can do with these tactics boards and all this stuff. Focus on the information you've got to deliver. You know, I remember going into Chesterfield and asking the analyst to 
show me smart passes that our players have produced. And he put a load of, a big display on. And I watched it and I went, where, where are the smart passes? And he's gone, well, look, look, he's just slotted the ball. He's just slotted the ball through the, in between the full back and the centre half. I went, yeah, where did the ball go? We went out of play. Yeah, well, how's that a smart pass then? Well, well, why Scout said it's a smart pass? Yeah, but that's White Scout's opinion. That's not my opinion. My opinion of, of a smart pass is he slots it through the centre half and the full back. It gets to the winger and the winger crosses it. Understand who, who you're delivering the information to. And that's where Maladin goes. I've listened to Maladin speak um, at the Tactical Insight. I watched some of the clips on it and, and he's got a fantastic array of, of, of presentations and, and delivery and it's excellent. Well, do you know what? We'll very, I'll very quickly ask your opinion on the Tactical Insights conference. Um, for anyone who wasn't there, there was, I mean, there, was com- there were speakers from Barcelona, um, Arsenal, Chelsea. What, what speaker did you particularly take or find the most interesting guy and why? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make it because of family commitments because I've been out on the road for, for the last five or six days. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah, yeah. But I, um, I took a lot of information from the guys in regards to Paul Belsoms, who works out in Leuven, because I go out to Belgium quite a lot with the, the sister club that we've got out there. Um, I took a lot of information from Aladdin and, and I, I was kind of already understood what they were going to present. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in them guys behind the scenes anyway, because you know, I'm, I'm, I need their information because they make me better. Same as they might need my information to make them better. So I, uh, I, didn't, I, I couldn't make it. And I apologise for that. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I hope they... It was really interesting. Honest, yeah. I ain't going to sit there and blag. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was really interesting. I hope, they, I hope they do it again. Please pass that, pass that on. Um, no, no, no. They will do. I'm sure they will do. It was a fantastic array of talent that was on, on showing their systems in, in place. Uh, and also, you know, the Barcelona. I've I seen a bit of the stuff on there. Um, and I, I'm, I'm blown away by, by the, the stuff. But... Like I said, I I don't need it all. You know, I didn't need all all the all the information, so I had to make a, a sometimes, like you said, time. Time is your biggest help in this. If you've got time to to sit down and, and go through some stuff, you'll produce some really good data. One thing I wanted to jump on as well with what you were talking about with the smart passes, I think I think with analysis, it, like you said, it, it's so important to understand what the coach wants and whether that's their, that could be their game model or philosophy or what they define as, as a successful pass, for example, like, like, like you have done there, which I think is really important. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I, I go through a lot of the data on Scout in regards to the lads. I watch, we, got, we had nine lads out, say, um, that I'm, I managed. I don't manage the first team. I manage the 23s and 18s now. So I've got nine lads out on a Saturday, Saturday night, say. Um, they've played on a Saturday afternoon. The clips have been loaded up. Um, I'll go through the game rather than the clips because I'll watch the game and I'll notice more on the game than I will with the clips because the context seems to be taken away. And when, we, when you asked me a previous question about going through clips, now, if you're watching a smart pass, what weight does it have 
uh, with the tactical side and also the, the technical side and also the psychological side when, say, that pass was put and done under pressure. It's still a smart pass in the eyes of White Scout. And that smart pass might go out of play. So this lad's under pressure. He's being marked from the side. He's brought the ball down out the air. He's then slotted it through, again, we'll just use this as an example, a full back in the centre half. And it goes out of play. But bring it back two seconds. You know, you might not even have that clip if it's clipped. But bring it back two seconds. You see his burst from the 18-yard line, his own 18-yard line, to get in that position to do it anyway. He's then brought the ball down, and you don't see the clip where the player's pressurising him. You just see the clip of him bringing it down and playing it out of play. And it's still classed as a smart pass. But the pressure that the boy's under to get into that position, to then move the player off in by giving him a shoulder barge, to then bring the ball down, to then probably have another centre-half closing him down to put him under pressure for the shot. Instead, he slots the ball down. Then it goes out of play. You start to see the context of what he's actually done there. And you think, wowzers, if you coach him better and you work with him and you give him that understanding that a pressure environment and he improves within that pressure environment, you might have one hell of a midfielder there from that one mistake he's just made. And that's a lot of stuff I do as well because I'll get lads loan ready with slides, opportunities to show them what level they may be able to get to, show clip after clip of. Um, toe-to-toe clips so when I call, call them toe-to-toe clips I'll show I'll use an example I've just done one uh, Josh Knight's out of Peterborough I'll show him a toe-to-toe clip with Ndidi so Ndidi says in um, I used to work for Opta so I did a, a lot of op- opposition analysis for Opta um, so there's another stat-based company that I work for there's loads of them out there but you know that, that one employed me so I have to mention the name um, and that I I have to keep I have to keep like just because it always reminds me of not promoting certain companies. But when I worked for Optar, they had zones of pitches for betting companies, obviously, and players stand in certain zones. So I understand that concept of breaking the pitch down, putting lads into certain areas, and then what I try and do is work out where say Andidi was was standing in certain games, and you can do that with the the Y Scout clips. And so Andidi clears the ball in the center of the pitch. Now, to me, if you say centre, I say centre, you know, that could be centre of the pitch, obviously the, 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 the centre circle. Now, centre of the pitch could mean the centre of the pitch going across the pitch, couldn't it? It could be the whole channel. You're still in the centre of the pitch. Centre of the pitch of the defensive unit, centre of the pitch of the midfield unit, centre of the pitch of the attacking unit. It's still the centre of the pitch. So it's understanding that communication. So when I started to break down Josh Knight's clips, I wanted to see where Ndidi was. Josh Knight was standing in the middle of the pitch, centre circle. I call it zone two of the middle section, the midfield section. So zone two, so right in the centre of the pitch. And then I'd look for Ndidi, centre of the pitch, making a clearance, same as Josh. And then I'd show the clips. Josh Knight does a clearance centre of the pitch. Ndidi does a a centre of the pitch clearance. And then go attacking left, zone three. So I always work left to right. So attacking left one two and three he's on the attacking right he's working he's playing right side of a diamond he's on the attacking right three i'd look for then then did he doing some attacking right three i'd break it down break it down so 
Then I start to pick up a build-up of, of information regarding these lads, seeing if they look similar body language, style of play, understanding the psych behind Josh Knight, understanding the psych behind and did a, do they look similar? The spider graph shows they don't, but do they look similar? Because then that gives confidence to Josh Knight to say, I'm looking like Ndidi here. Maybe I can get to the Premier League. Maybe I can play instead of him. And then you start to realise that there is an element of similarity. Then you bring it down another level when you go to the Championship. And is there similar players regarding that? And you start to look at the stats on Scout, You start to look at the similarities with size, body language again, style of play, positions, um, age, games he played last season. You start to really break down the information because you start to see a comparison against that player. And this time I use Corey Evans, plays for Blackburn because he's a defensive midfielder, but also a centre-half, same as Josh Knight. And there's more similarities and Josh Knight's better at certain things than him. You know, and before you know it, you start to see a comparison of, of a championship player, which for a kid who's only played 20 games in League One, more well, for 30 games in League One, and played 23s and he's 21, 22, and he's already looking like a championship player, you start to get, oh, you know, might be able to play in the championship next year. So, you know, you really start to break stuff down to, to a comparison level of detail that's, that's phenomenal, you know, in my opinion, because I wish someone had done that for me. And I, I reiterate that point I made earlier. I wish someone had sat here watching clips of me when I was on loan from Leicester City. But I'd go back to Leicester City when I was a kid to the, to the management, Martin O'Neill, Paul Franklin, Steve Wolford, John Robinson. I'd walk through the, the, go and get my kit in the laundry and you've got John Robinson there, Paul Franklin there, Steve Wolford, they're all having a fag. They'd look at me and go, oh, all right, mate, how was your loan? Three months later, after I'd been out on loan for three months. Yeah, it was good. It was good, thanks, John. Yeah, cheers. You know, put his fag down. Um, yeah, well, you've got five aside in the afternoon with us. Yeah, yeah, cheers, John. Thanks for that. Wow. And walk off. So, I'm, it's, it's, it's phenomenal difference. I Gosh. want to realise that the work we're putting into these guys is to make them better. <laughs> and did I answer? Did I did I actually answer your question then, or did I go off from rambling? <laughs> it's it's all it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Do you know what, guy? I've got I've got one last one for you. It's a little bit deeper, but I'll be interested to to hear your thoughts on this. Um, where do you see the game going with analysis? Do you think it's gone as far as it has? Do you think it could potentially have a bigger impact, or do you think perhaps actually it might have a smaller impact. No, no, no. It's only going to get bigger. Um, there's so much scope. I, I still, I still believe, and, and I'm doing more and more work into it. I, I still believe there's more and more information out there regarding players, regarding talent ID, regarding recruitment, regarding tactics. Um, keep it within the communication of the football club. You know what, what's understood within the football club. I think coaches will get cleverer, which, which will be all based around fit tech. Uh, I think they'll understand it better. So they'll question analysts even more. They'll question tacticians even more. I still think it's going to be hard for, for wannabe tactic, tacticians and wannabe analysts to, to really get their points across unless they're not doing it on a, on a match day tempo. Um, it's all well and good you know, using these tactics on football manager or champ manager, it's, it's real life pressure cooker situations that you need to be involved in to get respect. 
unfortunately it's not everyone can be picked for that so you've got to do it in in different ways but realistically pressure cooker decisions uh when you're hyped up as a manager which i found out myself asking subs to warm up what lads you're going to bring on in that situation am i going to change the tactics when your mind's racing 10 to the dozen is the only way you're ever going to be respected in in tactics and in uh, analytical data when you're watching a player you know time after time after time your missus is walking in and you know you're not concentrating on the video clips and you're just writing a, a half-hearted report on a player with no passion and emotion or content. I think the date is going to have to be more con um, contextual, understand it better with more data. I think it's going to go and get developed even further. I think we're only at the start of it. I really do. I think we're only at the start of this revolution where fit tech's going to be massive. Um, wearables are going to be more and more apparent. I imagine players are going to have wearables when they're playing like they already are, but even more wearables where, you know, you get messages, um, indicators are going to be huge. KPIs are going to be huge. So loads of stuff to come. Um, but there is still only a certain level that the club can take on board. And I think there's so much data out there now that any club could try it. Uh, even non-league clubs could, could try it and improve by data, but they're still stuck in the way. So it will take a few years to seep down. And I'd love to see a non-league club using it to the full capabilities and see where they could go with it because that'd be an exciting project in itself. Fascinating. I mean, but it's been it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Guy. It's been such an interesting interesting listen just to hear you, hear you talk through the uh, different side of. I mean, we've looked at you as a loan manager, but we've also looked at the sort of the application of analysis at, I mean, an elite club um, such as Leicester. And then it's just been fascinating to hear your own experiences with this as a player, um, as an entrepreneur, and then also just at, as a coach and uh, as an analyst. I mean, it's been eye-opening. So thank you so much, Guy. I really appreciate having you on. Thank, no, honestly, to, to be asked to come on this podcast and to be involved in this magazine and to be a fan of this magazine it's, a, it's an amazing honour, and I meant that at the start when we were talking off this as well. So thank you for asking me. Uh, have confidence. Enjoy your work like you do. And I'll, I'll, if anyone wants to get in contact with me after this podcast, hit me up on my Twitter, uh, Brano1979, and let's chat it out. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Guy. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions, by all means, absolutely tweet, tweet Guy or, or tweet, tweet uh, Total Football Analysis as well. And uh, we'll get back to you. So thank you for listening. <laughs>